This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode was recorded in Australia and is presented by Fluent Commerce, the leader in smart cloud native omnichannel order management at fluentcommerce.com. Hey, my name is John Winning, CEO of The Winning Group and founder of Appliances Online. And what I love about retail tech is it's forever moving and there is no benchmark because it's always evolving. In our final interview in the series recorded at Online Retailer in Sydney, Australia, we talked with the CEO of a company that is half of the e-commerce business in Australia in several categories and how a dog attack set his career in motion. Coming up, how the company went from a few college kids with laptops to owning several product categories online, along with 1,500 stores and 17,000 employees. Even though this family-owned company started out focused on appliances, the knowledge he has to share on building an online retail brand is insightful to any industry. You're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, powered by Sennheiser and recorded on location. Here are your hosts. Welcome to another episode of Fashion Is Your Business. We are recording live here at the online retailer program in Sydney, uh, along with Nora Network and Fluent Commerce. Again, we have another in insightful and incredible uh, conversation that we, well, at least I'm projecting it to be insightful and a wonderful conversation, but it is with a wonderful gentleman. His name is John Winning, and he is of the Winning Group. Uh, what's going on, John? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. It's uh, been a good conference so far, and Looking forward to the interview. Hopefully, I won't let you down. Cool, man. Well, uh, I don't think you will because uh, right before the show, we took a quick uh, stroll to grab some lunch, and it seemed like you were the mayor of this place, and a lot of accolades on your, uh, apparently, your hardline questioning uh, that you did uh, earlier today on stage. Yeah, you'll probably find out I have no filter, and I speak my mind, so uh, cool. sometimes it gets me into trouble, but it's uh, always entertaining. Excellent, excellent. So why don't we start here? Why don't you give me uh, kind of like a, a high-level 30,000-foot uh, view of who you are and what the company does? Yes, yeah, so I'm um, Sydney-born, live in Australia, 34 years old. I've now been 14 years in online retail, 16 years uh, in retail, so almost half my life. I'm fourth generation of my family's business, which is a business called Winning Appliances, which has now evolved to become the winning group as we've uh, started uh, more companies. I'm probably most famously known for uh, founding a company called Appliances Online, which in short is uh, what we like to call the best shopping experience in the world for buying appliances. Our mission is to provide the best shopping experience in the world. And three years ago at the World Retail Awards, we won best uh, experience for any retailer globally, online or offline. So... We sort of can't hang our hat on that, but we always strive to re remain the best in everything that we do and all things retail. Yeah, rumor has it actually that you graduated to an alumni of that program because it was just getting boring seeing you win so much. Yeah, well, this was a World Retail Award over in Paris, but uh, <laughs> I was, uh, well, our, our business was one of the first inducted into the Hall of Fame at the Online Retail Industry Awards in Australia. And I think for every year of the awards, we were nominated as a finalist for customer experience of the year. And the first two years, uh, we won that award. And I think maybe after that, then there, there were some other people that were always there as a finalist. And then we won it again later on and, and then became, uh, we were pure play re 
retailer of the year, and then we were uh, online retailer of the year when, and I think the same year we got inducted to the Hall of Fame, and I was given the industry recognition for online retail, which I'm super proud of. Nice, man. So uh, about 15, well, Google says about 1,500 stores, 17,000 employees. Uh, you're sitting at 34 years old, as aforementioned, um, and been around for about 16 years now. Uh, I think a lot of folks listening will be like, wow, that is pretty young to be CEO of a, a company of this magnitude. I want to start with your journey to get here. Um, so uh, before off mic, we were talking a little bit about kind of your interest leading into um, joining, I guess, quote unquote, the family business. Yeah. Um, can we can we take a stroll down memory lane a little bit? Yeah. So I was, uh, I guess, probably starts at school where I was not much of an academic at school. My dad mm-hmm. left probably two years before. before this is a common most. thread today, by the way. Yeah. Everyone sure. we've had on mic has always been a bit of a rebel and not much of an academic. Yeah, having so th- some, my dad's a carpenter by trade, and uh, yeah. he left two years before most uh, kids would leave school, like what, much before most kids would go to college or, or university here in Australia. And so he wasn't a big fan of, of the typical education process. And I remember he kept getting called in for you know, uh, meetings with the teachers that would say I was misbehaving, I was a class clown, you know, I was distracting other students. And then my dad was pretty hard with the discipline, and he, he took me aside and said, Look, I don't care if you don't do the work, but stop making me get called in here to, to, to get, <laughs> you're wasting you, his to get time you in at trouble. That point, yeah. He's like, I've got things to do. So yeah. he goes, if you're not going to do the work, work out how to do, get out of it. And so that was kind of my motto through school was, okay, I'm either going to have to do the work, I'm going to have to work out how to get out of it. And I'd say I probably spent more time in the later years at school in Bondi Beach than uh, I did actually going to school. Most of my uh, friends got expelled from school and... Uh, it was pretty uh, clear to me. Well, my dad actually said, there's no way I'm allowed to go to university. He said, if you go to university, money. he was going to kick me out of home. He's like, Absolutely. you're on your own. You, <laughs> you've stuffed around through school. So if you think I'm going to believe that you're not going to mess around at university, then, uh, then that's that. So, so basically for me, it was, uh, I had a job in year 12. I worked in a restaurant called Doyle's. It's reasonably famous in Sydney. And then I uh, started to get my a commercial boat driving license. I grew up on the water, sailing boats, etc. Mm-hmm. And so I thought oh, I'm going to just live on the water, driving commercial boats. Post that, I had to go and do 5,000 hours at sea or something to complete the practical part. I mm. passed the written part, surprisingly, with uh, with how I normally uh, learn things. But I decided no, I don't really want to go to sea for 5,000 hours, so mm. I'll try something else. Applied for an ad in the paper for a marketing role, which turned out to be. Uh, direct marketing role which basically meant door-to-door selling mm-hmm. it was 100 percent commission based and i actually loved it most people don't really like that sort of thing and i think the mm-hmm. churn rate's pretty high for people that turn up to the interview yep. to those that actually go out on the road to those that then turn up again the next day and yeah before i knew it i was earning sort of 400 bucks a day what were you selling i was selling domino's pizza vouchers uh, video you were selling vouchers. vouchers. You were vouchers, selling the yeah. opportunity to buy another thing. Yeah. So oh, it was shit. A, it was a hard sell. It was 100% commission. <laughs> and uh, basically, our vouchers were all worth $30. They generally had about $70 to $100 worth of uh, va- value for the next 12-month period. But we had to get the $30 up front, <laughs> and we'd take about $12 of that. What a racket. Yeah, it was, okay. pretty, uh, it was pretty funny. And yeah. you ended up then, you could build a team under you and... You'd get a commission on their sales, but obviously you had to commit your time to training them, and it went well. I had some close run-ins with some people that didn't like door-to-door selling, and probably my last run-in was when I was up uh, staying in a tiny little cheap motel 
in uh, Newcastle knocking on doors and all of a sudden, about 7pm at night in this dark, I went through this fence, went to a dark doorway and it was in this alcove of this sort of front entrance to the house and knocked on this door. All of a sudden, these two hands grabbed me on the back of my shoulders and I obviously got a fright, a bit of fight or flight <laughs> sort of kicked in, got shocked, turned around and it actually wasn't a person, it was a Doberman's front paws. And it hadn't, uh, it hadn't barked at me. It was obviously a guard dog that knew just it's going to attack. And it took a chunk out of the side of my neck and then obviously shrugged it off and ran, as you would, and it uh, took a chunk out of the back of my leg. I jumped the fence, ended up in hospital. And my dad came and he said, what are you doing this stupid job for? Quit this and do something else. I had a bit of money saved up because I was quite good at this selling stuff. And So, uh, so this thought, whole stigma of like mailmen going around again just chunked off by dogs is a real thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Certainly after dark when you don't see That's the ridiculous. dogs coming, it's like, it's pretty rough. Shit. And uh, so for me, I thought, oh, I'll last about three months on the money that I had saved up, living at home. I could just go sailing every day, yeah. go to the beach, hang out. And my dad had different options, uh, uh, ideas, I should say. And he mm. said, if you don't have a job by Monday, you come in to work with me in the warehouse until you get a job. And at that point, I never really wanted to work in the family business. I'd sort of spent my life with friends saying, oh, your life's going to be easy. You've got a family business to go into. So I was quite determined Well, what did the go. business look like at this point, though? Uh, it had about five retail stores around Sydney, small family business selling uh, kitchen and laundry appliances, basically almost $0 spent on advertising, the whole thing built on word of mouth and goodwill and run very uh, closely by my dad and everyone sort of would say, you know, they're, they're working for my dad. He was so passionate mm -hmm. and led by example that that's kind of what motivated the staff and the customers would come in because someone else had ref told them about the business yeah, and yeah, yeah. super loyal customer base built like on a, experience. Like a mom and pop store on, at yeah. scale a little bit. I mean, it wasn't small. It was yeah. probably uh, 80 million in terms of revenue or turnover at bit. the time. Yeah. yeah. And so I entered that in about 2001, 2002, just out of school, about a year out of school. And I was working in the warehouse after a while, my dad has his semi-trailer truck driving license, as does my sister. So it's a bit of a thing that runs in the family. He loves logistics and trucking and warehousing. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, if you get your truck license, then I'll, uh, I'll buy you a, a new car. And it had to be a ute because he wanted me to do deliveries. So he said, I'll, I'll get you a, a, not a brand new Ford ute, but I'll get you a second-hand ute. You can pick it. You know, you got a 20 grand budget or something like that. And I thought that's pretty good. So I went and got my truck license. Wait, hold on. I got to give a timeout right now. For anyone that's listening, I heard this. I learned oh. this yesterday. Ute is, is an El Camino. Is it, it's whatever? an SUV. Yeah, SUV. So we it's call like them sports utility SUV. vehicles. You guys call them utes. Yeah, SUV. Yeah, right, yeah, cool. Sorry. And an El Camino is the right way to say it. I've seen like these El Camino looking cars over here. That yeah, they're very look small. like they burn too. In, yeah. They look fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ones in America, the SUVs I always think are much, much larger. No, than, uh, yeah. Yeah, but they're just a little tiny one, but you can put uh, put products in the back. So I got that, got my truck yeah. license, and my dad said, right, now you can do deliveries. So I was driving a heavy, rigid truck, like a five-ton truck, uh, doing deliveries. I did that for about a year and eventually, you know, got a bit repetitive as much as I love doing deliveries to customers. I went to my dad and I said, hey, I've got this selling skills. You know, I did door-to-door -door mm -hmm. sales for a year. I was pretty good. Can I go and sell? And he went, oh, whoa, 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 you know. You might think you can sell door-to-door, -door, but this business is different. You know, I'll put you out the back in our clearance division and you can sell all the stuff that's, you know, damaged or got a scratch okay. or a dent or whatever. And it kind of uh, suited my hustling door-to-door -door selling nature of, uh, of my selling skills. So did that. Quickly uh, was quite good at that. 
convinced him to put me into the new showroom where I was selling. I wasn't allowed to sell the cooking packages where the architects and designers would typically come into and you needed a bit more product knowledge. Mm-hmm. So I was up in the section that was selling dishwashers, uh, front, you know, washing machines and, uh, and refrigeration. Dented ones. No, this was a brand new ones now. Oh, I'd sort of fantastic. upgraded. Okay, yeah, I proved myself with the dented ones. Excellent. And I noticed that loads of customers were coming in with catalogs and just saying, mm. uh, I got this catalog. It was not yeah. our catalogs. We weren't doing them at the time. Um, it was other retailers' catalogs. And they say, I always buy from Winnings. And I just want this fridge. I got this, you know, mm. ex-retailers catalog. And can you sell me this fridge? And I thought, well, if they're willing to make the decision on a catalog, why wouldn't they shop online? At this point, I had no tech experience. Still, I knew what, nothing what year about are we talking about? 2004 now? Yeah, 2003. Okay, got yeah, it. This is early. Yeah, early e-commerce. Early. I mean, in Australia, I think eBay was a couple of years old and mm-hmm. there was a company called Easy Buy doing fashion. Other than that, basically not much online retail sure. here. And to think about selling fridges and washing machines, I mean, it was pretty far-fetched. But for me, I was thinking, well, they'll get a catalog in the mail. It's got no real details. It doesn't have the uh, retail's full range. And they're still making a decision on that. Yeah. Maybe it makes sense. So Sears rode that catalog right into the dirt. Yeah, basically. Like, yeah. <laughs> so the original idea was we we're going to set up an eBay store. And mm-hmm. I approached the only person I knew that knew anything about online, who's a friend that I knew through sailing, who lived in New Zealand. And I rang him and said, is this idea crazy? What do you think? And he did a bit of research and said, no, there's people searching for those types of products yeah. on the internet. I think there's a, a good opportunity. And then I said, well, we'll think about an eBay store. And he said, uh, no, don't do eBay. You know, uh, you should just do your own store. We can teach you how to do it. And then um, basically you can load the product yourself, answer the phone and yeah. use your family's sort of logistics to, to get started. And that's, that's where it all began. Now, how quickly did that rev up? Like once you guys went online, was it immediate? Like orders just started coming on on their own? Did it you have to do immediate. some like Google AdWords buys at this point? Yeah, it was like all AdWords. At that point, it was all AdWords. We are buying... Our CPC was like five cents or something or three nothing. cents. Nothing. Like it was like free. Nothing. It was free. Yeah, basically just. What was yeah. your acquisition cost? Uh, the acquisition there? cost was probably around $15 or something like that. On a what? Like an $800 product. Yeah, like a $1,000 yeah. average order value. Yeah, it's crazy low. And the biggest problem then was actually the lack of traffic on Google. Mm-hmm. So you could buy the traffic. There just wasn't that much of it. Right. And then you could, uh, you could get the traffic cheap. But it was a much harder conversion. So the CPA wasn't taken up by the cost of the click, but people's kind of nervousness about buying a fridge or a washing machine online. online. So you'd have to have a lot of people come through before you'd get someone that was bold enough to buy a fridge online and give a credit card to, you know, this online retail. But at five cents, I mean, running it up to $15, that is quite a bit. Yeah. We've always run a CPA CPA across the entire business of under 3%. So, so really, you didn't, really you didn't focus on Yahoo and the other, like Netscape at the time, AOL, yeah. We did like that. a little bit, but yeah. it's always, Google's always been at more than 80% of our volume. We wow. got pretty quickly, we uh, learned the benefits of SEO and we're running that from day one, but obviously took, you know, three to six months until Google had sort of started crawling us and saying, okay, you're credible enough that we'll start ranking you. But we used to dominate on the, you know, typical big phrases like fridges, washing machines, dishwashers. Mm-hmm. So we're driving lots and lots of traffic to the site from day so, one. So you went from, you know, obviously warehouse to, to, to dented sales, to new sales, to uh, never got to the kitchen goods, yeah. <laughs> never quite got there, but you skipped it and you said, hey, 
you know, like I want, I want to go e-commerce. This is what people are looking, you know, they're searching for these items. So we should be there. And now you just started managing, you kind of leapfrogged and started managing this new yeah, business. It was just, it was literally, we've got 24 seven customer support and we've had that since day one. Mm-hmm. It used to so just, just utilize it. My mobile phone. Yeah. And I just wake up in the middle of the night. If someone called, sure. it was a one, 300 number. Where I think <laughs> we spent five grand. I had to convince them to spend five grand on this number. That was, you know, one, 300, triple zero, 500, easy to remember. And that would go to my mobile and I'd be at the pub, I'd be at Christmas lunch, New Year's Eve, Saturday night. Didn't matter. Drunk a lot of the time on the weekends and just like, hello, Plants Online. But because I'd loaded all the products myself, I kind of knew the whole catalog, Mm -hmm. um, like the back of my hand. I could do it all without having the website in front of me. How many SKUs did you start testing with? Uh, We probably started the website with around 100 quickly grew to 200 now we're about 6000 okay yeah there's not many products in the categories that we sell by any reputable brands that we don't sell like we basically i like to refer to us as like the amazon of appliances and in, in that as in only in the respect of if it's decent we will sell it yeah. you know i say if we sell ovens then we want to sell all ovens that aren't going to burn someone's house down right you know that someone might like you know unless unless we decide like this is actually a hazard or a really really terrible product then we should list it and let the customers decide whether it's worth buying or not within the first year what type of revenue are we talking about coming in from the e-commerce side oh, it might be one or two million bucks that's yeah. dollars sorry yeah. i mean that's pretty so this this isn't like impactful to the point where you had to change your operational flow of the company yet no i had to hire a friend and then i hired two friends and <laughs> and three friends there's another funny story here the first time that i hired someone that wasn't a friend and we were sitting in this old warehouse uh office out the office out the back of this old warehouse and we put an ad in and i'd sort of hide all the friends that i could get to come work with me and it would have been our fifth employee and this girl came in and saw these four guys sitting around laptops in probably 2005 2006 and went okay what's going on we're like oh this is appliance online you know welcome would you like a water and she said oh um can I just use the bathroom really quick? And we said, yeah, no problems. Walked her down to sort of the warehouse bathroom. Said, you know, it's just over there, the, the girls' bathroom's there. I'm sure in the warehouse, not many people had used the girls' bathroom in a while. But <laughs> so it's just, just there. We'll see you back upstairs. You know how to get there. And she goes, yeah, no problems. Never, Never turned back, back up. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> was just completely scared <laughs> by the whole thought of like, like sitting in this warehouse office with, with four, four dudes guys. that are chummy with each other forever. Yeah, yeah no. Well, and the fact that she's just like, what is online retail? Like, yeah. what is going on here? What's the job? Yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. So uh, you have the e car. When, when was it till you hit a bit of a tipping point with the online side where um, you, you realized that, okay, or the company realized that now we need to accelerate that and prioritize this as, as an overall mission? It was always accelerated and prioritized uh, in my eyes. Basically, when I hired, from the moment I hired my first friend or the first employee, I went, this is something. Well, if, it, if mm. this can sustain paying someone more than me, and we're profitable from day one. So it just meant we had to work hard and pay ourselves little and then uh, eventually, you know, could hire a friend then hire another friend, hire another friend. And we were all working around the clock to, you know, try and build this company. Are you working at this as like a separate siloed business? So you're talking about 80 80 million between the five stores were already happening. That was already happening. And now you have two million, which is on a separate The other one was called Winning Appliances. My dad said, look, I'll back you on the appliances online business. Um... Well, he, at that point, it was called the internet business. And he said, but you can't use the winning appliances name. <laughs> Just I in think, case you fuck yeah, it up. He's like, I think it's going to be a yeah. fuck up. So. 
basically. <laughs> you can't use it. And so we came up, we were thinking fast appliances, quick appliances, ready appliances. Like had all these gimmicky names around what we did. And went, appliances online, it's pretty simple. If someone hears the brand name, yeah. then they know what we do. We don't have to explain what, what it is. I mean, in hindsight, it's probably my biggest mistake. I wish I didn't have appliances in the brand name because now it's obviously mm. quite limiting to yeah. anything that has a PowerPoint on it, I guess. And uh, so for us, um, at that point, we just started up and it was from the moment I hired the first person, I thought, wow, there's something in this. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go more into the operational flow and the strategy and the insights. What is today of Winning Group? Um, and we are here with the CEO of Winning Group, Mr. John Winning. Uh, when we're back with Fashion Is Your Business at Online Retailer Sydney. Thanks. Hey, hope you're enjoying these recordings from Online Retailer. Uh, surely enjoyed being out there in Sydney and connecting with the retail environments out there. So it's exciting to bring you these insights. I uh, wanted to take a moment to thank our partner uh, for bringing us out to online retailer, which is, of course, Nora and Fluent Commerce. A little bit about Fluent Commerce. They are the leader in smart cloud-native omni-channel order management. What does that mean? Uh, they help businesses be faster and more convenient to shop with by giving them a single view of their inventory across all channels and the ability to automatically route orders to distribution centers or store locations depending on stock location, customer proximity, and shipping rates. So really cool stuff. They actually have some unbelievable clients such as uh, Samsung, French Connection, JD Sports, Top Shop, and a ton of other brands that you probably have heard of. Um, learn more about Fluent Commerce um, and what they can do for your company over at fluentcommerce.com. That's F-L-U-E-N-T commerce.com. Hey everyone, it's Mark Rico. Uh, got some pretty interesting news. Uh, have you heard of Remode? If you haven't, it's the premier event promoting growth and sustainability for the fashion industry. And it happens in Los Angeles on November 13th and 14th. It is the only event at the intersection of fashion technology and sustainability with a mission to offer fashion brand decision makers the ideas, the solutions, and the contacts that they need to thrive in today's changing environment. If you go to Remode, you're going to engage with over 150 speakers like Rebecca Minghoff or Joey Swillinger, the co-founder and CEO of Allbirds, or Rosario Dawson, the co-founder of Studio 189, and leaders from big companies like Google, IBM, Reformation, Eileen Fisher, Levi's, and a lot more to shape the future of fashion. It's two days. It's an action-packed agenda that has been curated to offer the most innovative and practical solutions for today's business challenges, including things like building a sustainable brand, the ins and outs of funding direct-to-consumer brands, winning with wholesale, the secrets to exponential retail growth, on-demand manufacturing, and more. You must register, and you can do it at REM. ODE.com. That's remote.com. And check this out. If you use special promo code mouth media, that's all one word during checkout, you'll receive an additional $100 off your remote two day pass. Again, that's remote.com, R E M O D E.com, and use code mouth media at checkout. 
and Fashion is Your Business's own host, Natalia Makalova, will be on site. Make sure to say hello. We'll see you there. All right, so now we have the backstory leading up to the, I guess, the first year or two that you were uh, over in the company and kind of starting this foray into online um, commerce with yep. uh, with appliances online. Um, where are we today? What type of revenue targets are you hitting or looking to hit this year? Uh, we're doing about a million dollars a day in turnover uh, in sales for appliances online. You're doing a million a day. Yeah, a million a day, which, you know, don't forget the Australian population smaller than the it's population super, of California. You're talking about like 26 million people here in the yeah, whole exactly, country, yeah. in the whole continent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, we have to run eight warehouses to deliver to those. So what a lot of people don't realize is that Australia has the land size of about 90%, over 90% of North America. So what are you doing? Like going there and breaking people's machines in the dark or some shit? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you need some turnover. <laughs> oh, well, we've been there a long time, you know, it's 14 years. So it's just yeah. a lot of customers that have had good experiences with us that tell their friends and, and we're just building loyalty one customer at a time. Wow. So what type of product selection do you have up there? What type, how many SKUs? What are we looking About at now? 6,000 SKUs, predominantly all uh, audio, visual, consumer electronics, mm -hmm. uh, cooking products now, refrigeration, laundry, Small appliances, vacuum cleaners, and floor care, barbecues. That's uh, and heating and cooling, sinks and taps. That's Is there anyone in your rear view at all in terms of competitive? Uh, like, no, we believe we have over a fifty percent market share online yeah. in in Australia for the categories we play in. That is wild. Okay, so I want to kind of shift gears. So what I've noticed about your company is super unique is that you really prioritize a lot of customization, a lot of customer service. Um, I just met your neuro team, which is a ridiculous thing for an appliance wholesaler to have. Um, and, you know, just the way that you're thinking about just strategy overall is very, very unique. Um, I'll start, though, here. Logistics must be such a pain in the ass for you. Um, given that quick acceleration of scale from the online side of things, you mentioned eight warehouses. Yeah, we've got 80, 85,000 square meters of warehousing in the country, which is 850,000 square feet of warehousing yeah. for those in the States. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. So how, how did you kind of progress into being able to fulfill this demand? Um, Early on, we used to just break. We'd kind of get to a point and we just would have to turn off AdWords, turn off the shopping engines and Shit. quickly go and find a new lease. Yeah. And then, you know, it, would, it was never big enough. And I used to say to the, the old general manager at the time, my dad retired in about 06. And mm -hmm. so then there was a new general manager for the other side of what the What was your title at this point? Uh, I now. was a CEO of, of probably just founder of Appliances Online. Got it. Yeah. And uh, But, you know, the, the one... I guess solely responsible for appliance online, the buck stopped with me. Yeah. But on the winning appliances side, there was another general manager and he was kind of also responsible for me, but we were also doing our own thing on the side and we used to a lot of the time say, okay, let's just keep this amongst ourselves, hope that the other side of the business doesn't find out and by the time they find out, yeah. we need to make sure it's making money. Mm -hmm. So we go into different ventures or do different things Knowing that if the other side of the business knew what we were doing, they'd say, stop that right no now. No chance, yeah. But then we'd money. try and get it, to, mm -hmm. get it to profitability by the time they found out. When they found out, go, I didn't know you were doing that. We'd say, oh, we've been doing that for six months. And by the way, it's uh, now, it works. It's now yeah. working. Yeah. yeah. So there was a lot of disbelief, I guess, on the other side. And, and we've always just run like that. So with warehousing, it was no different. You would go from a 1,000 square meter warehouse and I'd say, look, we need 5,000 square meters. They're like, hold on a sec. Let's just double it. That's going to be plenty. And certainly in my dad's time in traditional retail, 
doubling the size of a warehouse seems ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Whereas we'd double it, we'd move in and six months later, you know, might be in a five-year lease. Yeah. We're outgrown it again and then we're running sometimes Waste. in certain states, yeah. three, four warehouses trying to get the leases to run out so we can move into a bigger one. So always challenging finding enough space. My dad's been a big, been a big advocate for, you know, you have to have it in stock to sell it. If you don't have it, you can't yeah. sell it. Customers want things now. And so that's we're, such a typical like yeah. old school mentality for sure. Yeah, we're not we're not afraid to hold things in stock. And mm -hmm. I guess the other thing is that's that great. we we truly believe that we're a logistics business first, then we happen to sell appliances mm -hmm. second, you know, we're a retailer second. So it's all about making sure that we get that last mile right. So everything from the warehousing right through to uh, the to the delivery right into the customer's home. We have electricians, plumbers, carpenters and handymen that can install the products that we sell for the customers. So if you buy a TV from us, we'll bring it out and the person that brings it out or the team, yeah, the two people that absolutely. bring it out, will take the other one off the wall, mm -hmm. put in a wall bracket for this one, put in the TV, put in your surround sound, connect it all up Makes to all your sense. devices in one-stop shop. It's not, oh, the delivery team will drop it off, then the other team will follow and then they'll put it in for you. The pe people doing the delivery can put it in. Whether that's now, a gas, to, an electric oven, were you oven able or to leverage their own vehicles, or were you then building a fleet out as well? No, we're both? building a fleet out. We have hundreds of vehicles, yeah, or over a hundred vehicles at least uh, right now. Uh, we now brand that winning services. Mm -hmm. uh, our tagline is legend legendary care, and that's really our point of difference. Is that you know we talked about legendary service, which is what we claim with appliances online, and we didn't think that was enough um, to claim legendary service with the. Um, with the delivery teams because it's actually more than that. Mm -hmm. And we, we say that the biggest differentiator with us versus others is we actually give a shit. Yeah. So the delivery driver that goes to the customer's house actually wants the customer to have a great experience. They don't just do it because they've got some rules to follow and they've been taught how to neatly get a front load washing machine, connect it up and take the transit bolts off and do it, run it through a test cycle and all that. They actually want the customer to know how to use that machine the moment they leave and what cycles. How the hell do you filter or train for that, though? How do I do How do you it? filter or train for that? Fil oh, filter or train for it? Um, well, pretty quickly, uh, pretty easily, it's, it's culture. So people yeah. come into our business and they could have worked somewhere else and they go, wow, we just never realized how much you, your team actually care about the customer. There's a, a funny story, actually, once that, uh, and this is not driven at all by us, but one of our delivery drivers um, did a delivery for a customer. It was his last, or him and his offside, his last delivery for the day. Knocked on a customer's, uh, we have like those, uh, you know, kind of mesh uh, doors in yeah, front of in a normal front, front door mm -hmm. where you can see inside. Knocked on the mesh door. The customer said, yeah, come in. And he opened the door and they had a bird that was out of its cage and it flew out of the house. So he did the delivery. The, the young daughter was crying. And at the end of his delivery... Um, he offered to take the mum and the daughter to the local pet shop and buy her a new bird, of which he did. And the only reason I know about this story is because the customer wrote us a letter to thank us for what wow. the driver had done. He paid out of his own pocket and he did this all off his own bat and didn't even tell us that he'd done it. That's how much our customers just care and they know that you know we want them to give the best service possible. That's incredible. You know, another story that I've uh, heard about um, was from the company level is that you had a couple, uh, I guess, competitors or people in the space that folded. And uh, you offered customers that had put down a deposit into these We products. honored the deposit, yeah. You honored their deposit and provided the... So the, they didn't the lose out on the, on the purchase. Yeah, it was a, a real tricky one, you know. I think that 
when a company falls over and certainly sometimes, um, you know, in the final parts of that, they're, they're starving for cash flow. So they, they start mm, taking deposits, sure. bigger deposits and, and trying to really encourage customers to get their money across, giving them bigger discounts to get the deposits running sure. through. And I can't speak, you know, on a case by case and not, not saying that this particular retailer had done this, but it's, it's not right. uncommon. And what we noticed was there were so many customers out there that had paid a deposit that weren't requiring their goods for quite a long time. And so what we did was we just said, you know what, we're, we're investing this in lifetime, um, what we call now in online, you know, lifetime customer value. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my dad's time, he'd say just doing the right thing by the customer to win them for life, I guess. And we've, yeah, honored those 30% deposits. We're going to tear up a bunch of money, but it, I think the money's much better spent there than spent in marketing on TV or radio or catalogs. Was, uh, how quick was that strategy deployed internally? And did you have any resistance to get that through? No, I actually stole that one off my dad. He'd done it in his time uh -huh. uh, in retail and I'd heard the stories cool. of when he'd done that and the customers that he'd won at that point in time that had shopped uh, with him for life and then basically mm -hmm. told their kids, you know, they, this company looked after us. I don't care about anything else. You shop with this company. They, they did the right thing by us when, when they didn't have to. And it's putting that first foot forward to say, you know, we're here for you. Here's a, here's a, you know, no obligations, financial commitment for us into a lifetime relationship w with you. And at that point in time when they're really sort of down and out and, you know, when people are doing renovations, they're generally over budget or at the very best on budget. They don't have that extra money to repurchase their appliances or repay a deposit. So for us, it was a really easy decision to do internally. We just didn't know how to reach those customers. So we did it through PR and then ended up getting a... a contacted by the administrator of the of the business who I think sent an email to customers from from them saying hey by the way yeah. you should know this is happening did a lot of people take you up on it yeah I believe it, it, it was over in Perth so I'm not there day-to-day -day in the stores but I've no. heard that's quite a lot of customers I mean it's probably over a hundred at least yeah. uh, a week after we we'd announced it when that's I, fantastic. When I heard. now let's let's move on to the uh, the online side of things because um, <clears throat> that's uh, the most relevant to the online retailer program yeah um, you know I, I'm curious to hear about what, upon your reflection of everything that's gone on, like what are you most excited about in terms of the, the technology that you're deploying online to provide for that personalized experience or just that, that, that kind of sense of um, delight? We had this project internally that we uh, had called Project Falcon, mm -hmm. just we name projects. Very cryptic, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, basically it... it um, it was this seamless customer experience that was completely automated and didn't have uh, any lag for human interaction or uh, allow for any human mistakes. And we're getting really, really close to that kind of holy grail of mm. order comes in and everything else is almost uh, human free, so to speak, delivery routing. Are you trucks. teaching this AI yourself or are you deploying technologies that exist? Doing it all in-house. So we've got uh, an R&D team that are built We've built neural networks in-house, genetic algorithms in-house, and other, other models and um, forms of AI that do a bunch of different things. We do full stock forecasting and ordering. All of our pricing is set uh, automate, automatically um, by a machine. So there's no wow. human intervention on the price. Um, we are about to release uh, what's probably our biggest project to date, which is our delivery route optimization. A lot of um, people are probably familiar yeah. with a company called Ocado. So it's a similar model that they, they built and uh, we've done the same uh, ourselves and we're very, very happy that that project's called Raptor yeah. and uh, we, we believe that that'll allow us. At the moment, we can give a customer a two-hour window for delivery 
pretty accurately. I mean, and things go wrong with, you know, obviously trying to get big fridges and products into people's houses. We believe this will be able to give much, much more accurate delivery times to customers and say, you know, your deliveries are going to be there at 11.43, almost like how you wait for an Uber to come to your house and you might, it might go up to 11.46, 11.51, yeah. 11.39, but generally a really close prediction of when their delivery is going to happen. And when they complete the job before your job, it will send a text message. You don't have to download an app. It will send a text message mm-hmm. to the customer with a link that you can uh, click on and it will have a, a web link that tracks that truck to your house. Am I so, able you can to, see exactly so not on an app yet then, not on mobile yet. Uh, no, it'll be just a text. We figure mm-hmm. that why do we want to make a customer download an app just to for that one delivery? Yeah, just for that uh, one delivery. Yeah. I mean, I'd love obviously to have an app on a customer's phone and of all course. the benefits as a retailer Doesn't make that sense, you'd have though. of ha- having that connection. But the reality is, for sure, as a as a customer, would I download it? Probably not. So uh, we decided, look, just sending out an SMS with a, with a web URL that's unique to that customer, allowing them to track that that truck to their house. And equally, with still uh, click-to-call and all that sort yeah. of thing uh, embedded in it. And just for reference, um, so earlier today, uh, and to talk about the neural side of things, so earlier, uh, right before we came on, I had a chance to meet briefly uh, Kat from your team, a colleague yeah. of yours. And uh, can you mention what she's talking about today here at Online Retailer, what her talk is on? Yeah, so basically it's about uh, using uh, neuroscience for uh, retail, marketing, and branding. She had something uh, I think that the to- the talk is called from cuddle hormones to testosterone levels or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, fundamentally, it's about how you can uh, use best practice neuroscience. You know, it's at a very basic level. I know Kat can talk at a very complex level. No, I, I just wanted to put can. this out there just for reference of how deep you're really learning and and deploying strategy to connect with your consumer in a meaningful way. I think that what you guys are doing is extremely unique, not only to appliance retail well especially to appliance retail but um to to retail overall i think you're doing it the right way we had uh you know interviewed on the show some time back now michael crooks who uh he was over at gucci doing similar work on the neuroscience side of things he comes from a psychology background from upenn and you know at and everyone was just agape mouth agape like listening to every word he had to say because that is the the is where you need to be. Yeah, and it's a lot like stage. that when you hear Katarina talk. I mean, I've, yeah. I actually met Katarina at a talk probably must be about eight years ago in Melbourne, and I just went, this is the future yeah. of marketing and brand. I need to learn more about it. We became friends. We started uh, attending the uh, World Neuro Marketing uh, Forum. I've been to uh, two events. I missed one last year because I had to be at a conflicting supplier event. Mm-hmm. But basically, I, I was the first ever retailer to... Uh, to attend this event, I'm told. I d- wow. attended it twice in a row and then I started taking our team. So uh, members of our team uh, have been going. We've got three uh, neuroscientists that work within our team in the, in the neuroscience team and we're super, super excited about the possibilities of trying to do a very, very in-depth personalization and branded marketing to the things that actually matter most to customers. And one of the great examples that Katarina always gives is says that most people will do um, sort of your demographic targeting and they'll say, you know, we have this 61-year-old male with an average income of over a million dollars a year. Yep. But when you do that, you get Prince Charles and Ozzy Osbourne in the same bucket. Mm-hmm. It's just fundamentally wrong. They, they yeah. do not like the same things. So doing it at a personality level, we believe we're probably one of the only retailers, if not the only retailer in the world, taking that approach. And we think that when we solve it, that we will have 
an absolutely uh, game-changing leap forward in personalization for any retailer globally. How does GDPR affect your international growth or plans for international growth? Are you going to be touching Europe? Um, not Given your Europe, attention to yeah, data. Yeah, we're not looking at Europe right now, but we're considering once we've got, you know, we kind of call this the model built where, you know, we believe it's just a very, very scalable model, completely run off machines. At the moment, we can, we can forecast, order, and manage all of our inventory uh, as easily for seven SKUs as we can seven million SKUs. We just need more computers or seven billion SKUs for that matter. We could uh, price the same. We'll be able to route our trucks the same, uh, the same mm -hmm. way we could route 10 trucks. We could route, route 10 million trucks, you know, obviously just you know, using more computer power. So once we get that model through the rest and um, once our neural network is fully up and operational in running our product recommendation, then we don't believe we need to be an appliance retailer anymore. Right. We can just be an online retailer that is best in class and, and, and world beating, and then it will be about scaling the logistics because that's a key piece for us. But do you see your future revenue potential coming in from technology or from product? Because um, shit, you have a good such an interesting platform. <laughs> It's quite funny, you know, we look at all these things that uh, people are talking about. I think there was a talk yesterday of someone saying, you know, we have this artificial intelligence engine that can do all of your inventory management and we have this engine that can do this and all these different brands and products. And I thought, we've actually built one of all of these uh, internally in our own business. And I think that, it, you know, I would back ours to beat some of the best practice ones out there. We have an in-house built CRM and I've used NetSuite and I've used Salesforce. And I know lots of people that use those products very successfully, but in the end, we said they're not doing, I mean, they're doing a lot that would take a lot of time, but for what we need, we could actually do that part and a lot cheaper, a lot more scalable, and actually some functionality that we would never be able to convince them to put into, say, Salesforce or NetSuite because they're just too big, we can actually do uh, ourselves very, very easily. And then we own our own IP too, so... We're currently uh, in the process of building our own uh, 3PL uh, system for customers, our own WMS system, and then next will be our own ERP. And at that point, we'll basically be 100% on our own technology with almost no licensing or IP paid to any third party. I mean, it just seems so much more realistic for you to actually just scale out the, the, the tech, the, the platform than it is to actually then go through logistics training. I mean, building up logistics and like physical footprints everywhere. I mean, there's a, there's a retailer, and I mentioned to you before, uh, in the U.S. called PC Richards, and they seem very similar in terms of like the, the product selections and things like that that they have. Um, you, you're, you're better off empowering a company like that and taking partnership or multiple companies like that, it seems. We've definitely thought about that. Um, it's, it's quite... It's quite hard to explain until you've had delivery from, from our team that yeah. actually, you know, How I would, unique say, it is. I, I would yeah. say our culture and our delivery team are really the heartbeat of the organization. The and that's what's flowed yeah. these pieces of technology to allow them to do a better job. We've absolutely thought, well, we could carve some of these products off and sell them, but then we're just another software company. And for me, I'd rather solve, solve the hard problems. And it's the mm. fact that it's so difficult to scale logistics and companies like yeah. Amazon, I've heard Jeff Bezos say that you know, actually one of his biggest regrets is actually not only owning the logistics from the start. Now they're trying yeah. to play catch up. And for me, it's well, just yeah, they're, they're fundamental to everything. Well, yeah, they're fighting against UPS now, essentially, yeah. you know? It's fundamental to everything that we do. And we think that we can build um, basically uh, 
a business that's predominantly focusing on the large and bulky items delivered into the home. So things that you or I just couldn't pick up ourselves in two hands and walk into the house. I mean, Although maybe we you, can I, do I, that. I could grab them. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Oh yeah, you'd be good with that fridge <laughs> yeah, on your back this, up a yeah. few flights of stairs. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's predominantly where we see as a niche that no one in the world has solved yet to be able to do those products and have the kind of Amazon holy grail kind of experience that you know when people talk so positively about the Amazon experience when everything goes right. I heard and it's how, shit here in the in Australia. Actually. It is pretty shit. Yeah, we, yeah, our CTO. Funny story. Our CTO actually is from San Francisco, mm-hmm. and he was so excited that Amazon it's totally launched different, here. Yeah. And then he was so excited that Prime launched here. And he's you know such a big Amazon fan that he was uh, living Prime, just down yeah. the road for me. And he came into work and he goes, I just got my Teva sandals in two days because I'm a Prime customer. Like Amazon's here. I go. Two days. You're, set, you're paying $70 a year to be a Prime customer and you got a pair of sandals delivered in two days. You do realize you're the CTO of a business that delivers fridges into houses yeah. next day for free with no membership yeah. or subscription, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, you have a point. Well, <laughs> but now he's got original programming to watch yeah. on Apple TV. Yeah, exactly. So, right. I mean, it's different. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're such a beast. And Amazon's an amazing, <laughs> uh, obviously an amazing company. And we're... Obviously, we don't need to go into their space. It's not somewhere that we're going to look for. And, no. you know, I think Kerry Packer, a famous Australian businessman, once said, you know, where does an 800-pound gorilla shit? And uh, he was talking to Mark Boris at the time. And Mark Boris said, you know, I don't, I don't know. And he goes, anywhere it damn wants to stay out of its way. <laughs> and so, uh, so basically, uh, we're watching Amazon and where they go. And we're definitely trying to pivot away from the areas that they're focusing on. And mm-hmm. we think that large and bulky items to, never to deliver locations... Yeah. You know, with installation services and the like, we think that we can really dominate in that space and they'll be years away from even uh, considering something like that. But we've got plenty of other things going on on the side too. Yeah. We've got a culture app that we're about to relaunch in January that we acquired about six months ago. And it's now up to a development team of 14 people working really hard at getting that uh, What getting does that, that mean? What's a culture app? So um, basically it's an app to uh, motivate and create highly connected high-performance teams of any nature. So generally, you would think the workplace, but could be sports teams, could be uh, classrooms uh, or or, uh, students or teams that work, you know, in education. And basically, it's about bringing them together and and creating high-performance. I'm going to put you in touch with a friend of mine, Shane Snow. He's an author in uh, Stateside, and he just wrote a, a fantastic book upon, like, five years of research on building successful teams. Could be a good yeah. synergy there. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. there's a few people in the space, but I think we've got a we've got a really unique point of difference. I think most are focused very heavily on the workplace, and they're also uh, not coming from a point of neuroscience. So where they're looking at drivers that um, things like you know why why are you unhappy at work and candid answers like oh you know I don't feel like I've got clear direction. My manager's currently away. Um, communications low. They're not actually the things that deep down make someone un- unhappy at work. You know, maybe they're not feeling fulfilled or satisfied. And, um, you know, there could be a bunch of other factors that are, are going into it. And so we've got our neuroscience team working really heavily on making sure we're asking the right questions to get the right results. And um, we'll, at the end of the day, want to be measured um, on how we perform versus others. So we believe that our biggest um, piece of advertising for that platform will be the fact that we'll be able to show case studies of teams that have started at a point mm-hmm. and then ended up at a point and showing actual financial performance and success or possibly if it's a sporting team, you know, um, success within the competition. Wow. 
from when before they use the app to after they use the app. Amazing. Well, listen, I could talk to you honestly forever, um, uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, we just don't don't have that kind of time. No. Uh, why don't we uh, wrap up with um, letting letting us know what type of folks you're looking to connect with uh, for either parts of these businesses, um, and understanding that there's a B two B audience that generally listens. And uh, what's the best way to contact you? So the best way to contact me is on LinkedIn. You can get me under John Winning or uh, Twitter. I'm at Winning John. And um, probably, you know, it's an interesting when you ask that question. I bet a lot of people in my chair probably think, oh, okay, I want VCs. I want this type of person that can help me. Or maybe I'm looking for suppliers. And really what we want is great talented people that want to work for an amazing business. So, you mm-hmm. know, great UX people, great digital marketers, neuroscientists, uh, data scientists. If you're a great developer, we use multiple languages in-house. Uh, reach out. We're always hiring good tech people. If you love making customers happy and you're based in Australia, then customer support for sure. We've, we're always hiring customer support. And uh, probably the fastest um, growing part of our business from a people point of view is our delivery drivers and warehouse staff. So if you love delivering happiness to customers mm-hmm. without sounding like Zappos, yeah. um, you know. You could sound it, like Zappos. Yeah, they do yeah. all right. Yeah, they're not, they don't do too bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, then give us a call. They're, they're the people that I'm really interested in connecting with, people that want to be part of a, a great business that's uh, on the move and doing exciting things. Yeah, so if you heard that, if you're a talented person out there and uh, you want an excuse to either get a new uh, gig or move to Australia, one or the other, they're looking for you. Yeah, we've got staff all around the world too. You don't have to move to Australia. We've got staff in Argentina, London, Poland, uh, and in America. Obviously, our CTO is in San Francisco. So we'll hire you wherever you are. If you're good, you can join our team. Very good. Uh, John Winning, such a pleasure to have you on, Mike. Um, Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really liked it. Cheers. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I hope you enjoyed that, and we'll uh, see you soon. This has been Fashion Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, fashionisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. This is your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.